0: of Reagan, and before the rise of Seagal, Snipes, and Van Damme, there was an age undreamed of. Unto this land
1: came Arnold the Austrian. He was a barbarian, a demigod, a killer robot from the future, and he was destined
0: to wear the crown of Hollywood upon a troubled brow. It is only his chroniclers, Mike Gillis and Casey Doran, can tell you of his legend this is his saga podcast de la vista baby Casey Yes Mike just when I thought I was out <laughs> they pull me
1: back in plus 1 we're giving plus 1 to the uh, podcast de la vista catalog right Yeah this is uh this is, this is the franchise
0: that just won't die. Well, and, and
1: this was his most recent movie. I don't think Arnold has starred in a movie since 2019,
0: right? Not starred. So yes, we are talking about 2019's Terminator Dark Fate, directed by Tim Miller, who's probably most famous for directing Deadpool and is the creator and showrunner of Love, Death, and Robots for Netflix. With a screenplay by David S. Goyer, who has written a thousand things, including The Crow, City of Angels, Kickboxer 2, Dark City, The Blade Trilogy, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, Man of Steel, Jumper, and Batman v. Superman, Dawn of Justice. As well as Justin Rhodes, who wrote Contract Killers and Grassroots, and Billy Ray, who wrote Captain Phillips. So, Casey. Yes, Mike. If you had to sum up the plot of this movie in like a paragraph
1: or two, good luck. By the way, all right, I can do. I, I'm going to do my best. What is Terminator: Dark Fate all about? In present day Mexico City, a genetically engineered soldier from the future, ruled by, you guessed it, evil robots, has sent back and been sent back in time to protect the life of a young woman vital to the human resistance. Pursued by half liquid nanobot, half exoskeleton assassin, a so-called Rev Nine, the young girl and the soldier are saved by Sarah Connor. Having having successfully prevented the apocalypse once, now is a part-time Terminator hunter. Under the relentless pursuit of the Rev-9, they unravel the mystery of why this new Terminator apocalypse has happened, and in doing so, discover the key might be a T-800 model now living undercover as a 60-year-old Arnold Schwarzenegger doppelganger. That's it. But I don't think I did any justice to the actual movie.
0: (laughs) And and, uh, joining us on this conversation, talking about what I suspect might be the chronologically last Arnold centric yes. movie. Um, longtime friend of the show and co-host of the dearly missed Hands Free Football Soccer podcast, Carol Brulette. Welcome to the show, Carol.
2: Thank you.
1: So, Carol, what did you think of this movie?
2: Oh, God.
1: We saw this together, though. We should I preface know. it by saying, I think I've only seen one movie in the theater with you and your husband, Dave, and it yeah. was this movie. <laughs>
2: no. And so I'm trying to remember when in 2019 that was.
0: Feels like 10 years ago, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it
2: does. Yeah. And it, it felt in my head it was winter, but I can't remember if it was like January 2019 or December 2019, which have like very different contexts. Yeah. Um, But as far as, like, why I don't remember what I thought about this film the first time I watched it, that's why. I remember having strong feelings about it. We all went out to dinner afterwards, and I'm sure I did, like, my best effort to uh, out-rant Mike on this. Um, But it's just, so I watched it again this week, and I almost liked it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I think I'm with you. I think <laughs> yeah. I'm totally with you.
2: Um, and it feels like there was so much potential, um, but I don't remember how I felt about it the first time. I can't remember if I spent my evening defending it or tearing it down, and that's
1: the only thing I can remember wild. is is you expressed an opinion which I also expressed, which was like that. Uh, Mackenzie Davis is just fucking amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was we. Were both, we both had a moment there where I was just like, "Whoa!" And that, that has definitely increased this time where I was like, "Don't you don't need Sarah Connor? You've got the so much so much more interesting in the in that role." So I remember Carol. You were probably the most positive oh. yes. of yeah, anyone, I and know. that's actually one of the
0: reasons I wanted you on this episode too, because I was going into this thinking I would absolutely hate it too, and I didn't like i said i think this movie is mostly fine and occasionally really good and um i don't know this was an interesting thing because this movie is the third attempt to bring back a legacy sequel to terminator and terminator 2 this is the third attempt to do a trilogy um the first one being terminator salvation and i think in 20 20- 2007 or 2009 something like that and then 2015 i think was genesis all of those were supposed to kickstart trilogies but they never did and this is the third time again no more trilogy and um i don't know i think it's time to to call time of death on the terminator (laughs) franchise
2: well and so i was as i watched this with dave and I was trying to figure out. Okay, so I know this isn't Terminator Three because I saw that one. That's where instead of Robot Terminator and then Liquid Terminator, they had Girl Terminator. Yes. Um, and then I think there was a Terminator Four after that. Something about finding Arnold in like a refrigerator in the future. Maybe <laughs> I don't fully remember that. Oh yes. Salvation. Yep. Okay, yeah, Salvation. Okay. Yeah. He's
0: mostly CG in that one. Yeah. It's not really. Him. A refrigerator.
2: Yeah. Refrigerator. <laughs> there. There is exactly one image from that film sure. in my mind and you know exactly what I'm talking yep. about. But And then I'm like, so is this T5? And he's like, no, because there's one more Genesis, yeah. I suppose, mm-hmm. exists. Mm-hmm. So this is Terminator 6.
1: Yes. But I think everyone wants it to be Terminator 3. But yeah. they all want to be Terminator 3, right? Well,
2: and let's just be real. This is the best one. Right. Of the attempts for Terminator 3, this but, is the best. It's <laughs> as
1: good as we're going to get. So I, the way I think about this is, the compliment that Roger Ebert paid to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the 1990 movie, was this movie is nowhere near as bad as it might have been and probably is the best possible Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. And I feel like that's you could say the same thing is like this is the best possible. It's nowhere near as as bad as it might have been, but it's probably the best possible Terminator sequel that we could have gotten.
2: I... I'm with you for half of that. Um, I think that this movie had a lot of potential. I have several suggestions, including hire a female writer (laughs) um, to deal with female characters um but i i i think this could have been amazing actually Mm. like you look at the way that t2 sort of subverted a lot of the tropes from terminator one and was actually really imaginative in some like really powerful ways i think this one had the same potential um it didn't it didn't have to be mediocre, but that's what they got. I think what
0: Terminator <laughs> 2 had the advantage of James Cameron as the director, and that's a guy with clout who has power. He was coming off of, like, the abyss. He was coming off of aliens. Uh, he could get the things he wants, but I, mean, I think this movie feels like there's a lot of producer meddling in it, and there's the a act- lot of writers. There's, there's a, a lot of there's writers. A lot of ideas, and I think a lot of it is one they want to they want to put butts in seats with nostalgia. So they have characters from the first two movies in there. They have Arnold as a T eight hundred. I think this is his sixth T eight hundred or fifth T eight
1: hundred.
2: Depends on if you count the fridge scene in Salvation. No, that's <laughs> yeah.
1: that's all CGI over his face. So it wasn't even his. it was like a body double with CGI.
0: So. There's an Arnold T-800 and there's Sarah Connor played by Linda Hamilton. So you have that element. And I also really think a lot of the action sequences are more over the top than they need to be. And that's a weird thing for me to say. And I think they feel a lot more like they belong in either the Matrix, which has a kind of physics to it because it's in a computer, or it feels like a Marvel movie where you have these characters who can move mountains and things. And that's never been, that's never been Terminator. So watching people be able to run up of walls and moving to jump and flip, and they feel weightless in a way that I don't want Terminators to feel. Terminators at the very least should feel heavy. They should feel that when they land from a height, it feels like boom and almost a clang, even if it makes no sense for them to clang when they hit. (laughs) And I, I look at the last sequence of this movie that is like this Russian nesting doll of action set pieces that starts out as a highway chase and then it turns into a battle on the tarmac and now we're fighting in the air inside of two different airplanes. Then we're in a crash. Uh, We're parachuting out in a Humvee. Then we're fighting on top of the hydroelectric dam and now we're falling off the dam and now we're fighting inside the dam. Underwater. (laughs) And this is like the last, like, 35 to 40 minutes of the movie and it just gets exhausting after a while and I just think we I, I, th- I thought that about the, I thought
1: about the pod race when I was, when it was getting to the dangling when they're sort of dangling and they're gonna fall which you've seen a bajillion times I thought about the pod race where I was like I'm so checked out right now I if 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 I would be asleep if it were a different time of the day when people survive this many big things in a
0: row you just go numb I think sometimes and I yeah. think those are the bits where it feels like this movie is actively because of the producers trying to compete with the sort of action blockbusters that it sees as its rivals, which is, you know, things like Avengers Endgame and stuff. And I think that was a mistake. I think that this movie should have had more confidence that the performances could carry it. That if you look at the sort of stuff that happens in in Terminator, there's two or three of those sequences spread throughout the whole movie, and you, you make them count, and you give them the sort of emotional weight in between them and the tension that builds up to them, that, that keep you going and keep you engaged. And you're never bored in those movies. And I think this movie needed the confidence to be able to scale that stuff back that it doesn't need to be as big as possible.
2: Yeah. I think um, the, the concept of there's there's no stakes um, really came through. And I think that the weakest attempt to give this movie stakes happened um, in, in the car chase. Um, and it's funny because I'm watching it thinking there is no way a truck that big is catching up to this like tiny little pickup truck and also just like stomp on the brakes. Like when I find myself critiquing a chase scene sure that means it's not a good chase scene <laughs> yeah. you know um but uh the brother dies so um N- natalia reyes plays danny who's our john connor analog in this one um and her brother is along for this chase scene and then he gets pinned inside the pickup truck and then k- kablooied. um and <laughs> i i have like one of my first notes is like Why is he here? Why did that happen? He never comes up again. And so the theory, like the best theory, is that was a way to give stakes to the movie. And it's like, I'm sorry, this is Terminator 6. If we are not just sort of automatically frightened of a Terminator at this point, no amount of like civilian casualties is actually going to help and the fact that it's like this poor brother died but like this this young woman who like at the beginning of the film can't even drive you know manages to survive and is suddenly a you know a strategic expert because she learns the yeah. word killbox by the end of the film <laughs> <Yeah. sighs> um you know like it's it's just it's I I don't know why he was there. It wasn't effective at making me feel like anyone else was in danger.
1: I, th- I think that's the, you're pivoting on the weakest part of the movie, which is that they, these movies require you have a John Connor or a Sarah Connor. They require that you have the person who is under duress, who is not strong, who has to overcome something to become better by the end of it, to become something they, they're destined to be. And Danny is barely a character at all. And it's frustrating. That's
0: that's really frustrating. And I think that happens because there are so many characters in the movie. Right. Then, almost all of them are more interesting than her that you have grace who is a cybernetically enhanced soldier from the future by far the
1: best part of the movie yeah. cool.
0: <laughs> and she's really cool and she gets more you there's more of a character there and you want to see what she's up to and you want to see what her deal is and then there's sarah connor who is the return of linda hamilton and linda hamilton is fucking incredible in this movie and i think that uh, Linda Hamilton also, and I put her in the same category as like Sigourney Weaver in the Aliens movies, as uh, Lawrence Fishburne in The Matrix, where this is the probably the person shouldering more than anyone else the emotional core of selling the premise of this yeah. movie to the audience, yes, of telling you that this is important, making you believe it, and and I think this is the thing that Linda Hamilton does almost better than anyone, which is her Sarah Connor is like this clenched fist of like trauma and anger. Mm -hmm. And when they give her lines that I think another actor would turn into like a quip, it just has so much fucking venom in it that it just seems bitter. It's like, she's seen everything in her life get fucking ruined and she sacrificed everything that she has. She saved the world and nobody cares. She's still a fugitive. She can't go anywhere. People think she's crazy. And still lost her son violently. And none of it matters. None of it matters. And this is the thing that, that really hit me. My brain just broke because there is this just descent into nihilism that is unavoidable with the way that the universe of Terminator as exists in this movie exists, which is that We saw at the end of Terminator 2, which is the last canon story, that Sarah Connor, John Connor, Miles Dyson, and the Terminator stopped the creation of Skynet. They prevented this doomsday computer that killed three billion people and saved the world. People died. Miles Dyson blew himself up to make that happen. Sarah Connor as part of her quest, is a fugitive who is an escaped mental patient. Nobody will ever believe her. Miles Dyson, who is working with uh, the most amazing technology in a dream career. He had a young kid and a wife, and he sacrificed all of that. And even if he'd survived Terminator 2, that dude's going to prison forever, and no one will ever believe why you did it. You blew up your own office building. He died for this. And then... In the words of the great Bill Murray in the movie Meatballs, it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Because if you kill the, the, the evil AI computer, another one will exist. And then if you kill John Connor, another human resistance leader will pop up. So even if you killed Danny, it just doesn't matter. (laughs) So
2: like six things on this. (laughs) Um, First is, I also wrote a synopsis for the plot of this because Dave told me to be prepared, but you did way better. So I'm just gonna. um, Mine ends with, this film also fails to deal with the themes Regarding the surveillance state, transhumanism, the inhumanity right. of American immigration policy, and the futility of fighting modernization and technology, it,
1: it wants to do all of those things, oh but it God. doesn't want to give any any real time to doing that. I mean, I, I have to say, yes, it is it, the 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 hook of the movie, which even James Cameron, in an interview that he was did for Avatar: Way of Water, he talked about the the quote here is that he said, you know, uh, Tim Miller wanted Linda Hamilton. And what I think happened was that the movie could have survived with uh, having Linda in it. I think it could have survived having Arnold in it. But when you put Linda and Arnold in it and then, you know, she's a 60-something, he's a 70-something. All of a sudden, it wasn't your Terminator movie. It wasn't even your dad's Terminator movie. It was your granddad's Terminator movie. And we didn't see that. So it's like there's this idea that in in the end, the idea was having the centerpiece of the story be around these two characters that really... Uh, my word for it is shoehorn. Mm-hmm. Like, it, yes, it is cool to have Sarah Connor's character because we really like her. But yes, she prevented the apocalypse, it didn't matter. The Terminator guy is still there. They're still hunting robots just because I guess maybe one one robot going awry will make bad things happen. But yeah, it's inevitable. There's going to be a, ter- a, ter- a evil Terminator apocalypse and they're all going to look basically the same. Well, that, no matter gonna, what. Yeah, there's no escaping it no matter but what you do.
2: I think that actually is one of the points of potential that they missed. I mean, mm, the right. whole, like practically the subtitle for the movie is There Is No Fate But What You Make. And so for Linda... Hamilton, I was going to call her Linda Carter, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> <Linda Carter. laughs> nope. Uh, for Linda Hamilton, for Sarah Connor to sort of receive the news that, what do you mean it's not Skynet? It's Legion. It's an off brand murderous AI. <laughs> you know, and like she should have dealt with that more. Like the, the for, for a, for a franchise that's core is hope, I really needed her to face more in the sense of despair mm-hmm, yeah. in the face of that news. And I think it's like the fact that humanity is always going to create the murderous AI that will be our own doom. She needs to deal with that. But I think also the idea of, well, you're just going to get another resistance leader. It's fine. That's always been my issue with the entirety of the Terminator. to the great man hypothesis sure. of history. But But also, like, I don't see how you can do a Terminator film without that. So I'm willing to give it a pass. I think in in, in Terminator 2, the idea of, like, no, you have to murder the guy who knows how to make the thing. Mm -hmm. Because when you look, you know, when there's that flash forward into the future, into Grace's past, because she's from whatever. Right. um, and they, you see Danny rousing the troops. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to crawl under my coffee table and hide. <laughs> it was the weakest, like, most unimpressive. Like, if you have to sell me on the fact that this woman is so uniquely, you know... Uh, positioned skilled to be the leader and the uniter of the human resistance and that no one can possibly do this without her you got to have that happen off screen yep. wh- which is
1: what which is what they do in Terminator 1 and 2 right yeah they never- only make they only make mention of the fact that John Connor or Danny or whoever is such an effective leader they never you know if if you're gonna have the greatest song that's ever been written yeah don't mm-hmm. put that song in your movie that's literally you know? a tenacious d song <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> you
0: can't actually do it you can talk about it but you can't you can't yeah. do it because then it has to live up to it you oh. never you see so many proto john connors but you never get the john connor that everyone talks about you just get his prologue and i think that I don't know if it's just miscasting or it's bad writing or bad directing. I don't know what it is, but it just doesn't land in this movie. It's bad writing. Where I think if you had put again, it is bad writing. Uh, you are correct, but I think if I think Mackenzie Davis would have been able to sell it better if you made her because you can make Mackenzie Davis both the badass future warrior and the young person living in a regular world, and I think that transition would have worked a little easier. It's hard to do that and do it believably. We saw Linda Hamilton do it yeah. in Terminator through Terminator 2. Right. Where in Terminator 2, she could fucking kill anybody. I mean, she's like, her escape from the mental institution is so intense. And it's like, everything about her performance in that moment is, yeah, she's going to put Drano in that dude's neck. I believe it. <laughs> and yeah. I, I look at this one and I go, I don't know if I can believe her going drill sergeant. And I'm like, and I don't know if that's the... Fi- I, I don't know where it is. I don't want to blame just the actor because the actor can only do what the script and the director give them and they can interpret it. Um, for me, I think the performance that I really love is Linda Hamilton for just how fucking bitter and angry and traumatized it is because I think selling the stakes and the, the premise comes down to making me believe that if we let this AI win, this is the worst possible thing. But also... This is the correction I see coming from Terminator Genesis, which is a jokey, flippant movie where everyone is off on a fun adventure where we're quipping like we're on an episode of Cheers. And that's not what Terminator is. Terminator is a sci-fi horror franchise about... People trying to prevent a world where we live underground and eat dog food and rats and we're covered in scars and we're using like charred remains of cars that we've hobbled together to try to fight killer robots that are all chrome and scary. And even in the present day, that fight fucks you up. You end up in a mental institution or you end up dead or you end up as a fugitive. You don't have fun on that adventure. (laughs) And
2: I think that Linda Hamilton acted the hell out of that bitterness like she she just ate it up and it was phenomenal but I think again for me that's one of the points of potential this movie missed I think the bitterness was a misstep Mm. as well as she did it I just don't buy that she sees people from like she sees her own past unfolding before her and instead of reacting with compassion and protection and deep empathy she's cynical and dismissive and hostile and I just didn't buy it like uh, I have a note in here somewhere talking about I cannot believe they're wasting the time to have a pissing contest (laughs) women don't do pissing contests we don't have the equipment for that like it's just that's not there's a line when they park the car under the little bridge culvert situation so Mm -hmm. that they can go do their illegal border crossing and go meet up with Arnold um, where Grace asks Sarah, why do you care what happens to her? And I think the reason that that setup is in the movie is so that um, Linda can utter the line, "Um, I care because she used to be me. And it sucks. And it sucks. And it's because no woman would ever ask that. The idea of we look out for each other when we're in danger is just an innate and silent part of girl culture. And these bevy of male writers just couldn't you can still get that line into the film you can still have linda looking sorry sarah whatever character actor same thing <laughs> um you can still have her looking at these events unfolding and recognizing herself in them like she does identify with danny but that identification does not really drive her to anything more than like violent protection there's no emotional support really and i just don't buy that Hmm. ever
1: well i have to say this is this is a a piece that i pulled out from looking at interviews um speaking of writers because obviously this movie has a lot of writers it does not have gail ann hurd who was a great counterpoint to james cameron for t2 um in early phases of development director tim miller invited a group of sci-fi writers to brainstorm with him and series creator james cameron for the ideas that the screen the screenwriters could use this group included Greg Bear, Neil Stevenson, Neil Asher, Warren Ellis, and Joe Abercrombie. So essentially what you have was they, the idea was like, Oh, we're uh, the idea of we're going to do a Terminator movie. We're going to have the coolest sci-fi ideas in this week at possible take all those sci-fi ideas and then just plug them into a story.
0: But what uh, depresses me is that we get this brain trust and the best they usually come up with is, Hey, let's remake Terminator two again. Yes. <laughs> yes no, that was, I, I mean, yeah.
1: there, there are some, uh, the stuff that I remembered the most from watching in the theater and then watching it again now was kind of like the weird stuff of decoding what Mackenzie Davis's what grace actually is. Cause she's sort of a Terminator, but she's definitely a human and she's sort of half synthetic and she's not. And, they, they lengthen, they sort of pepper out that explanation as she goes along, just like you do in a good Terminator movie, right? Which is, you only do the exposition in the middle of a chase. That's how you make exposition fun. So for for, for the first 20 minutes... Of this movie. I think it's fucking amazing. I think that whole the introduction of her character and how weird it is, and then you're seeing, like, oh, she can do this. Oh, that seems grounded and makes sense. And, and you also don't like, know if she's a Terminator or not at first. Oh, and yeah. She's, she's, that then she's part vulnerable. Was... She's also vulnerable in a way where you're just like, what the fuck? Terminators don't slow down. Mm-hmm. You know, like, she love pain. I loved all of that. I loved all of that sort of bit. And then to me, I don't, I mean, I think this is where you and I differ, is I think when you, the, when you add Linda Hamilton on top of it, I think. That's the afterthought. That is the we're putting Linda Hamilton and Arnold Schwarzenegger in this movie because this is a legacy sequel and because people are people didn't show up to Salvation and they're not going to show up to this movie unless Arnold is in it and Linda Hamilton is in it. And that's the way you get asses in seats. But I don't I I, for all the reasons you just said, I don't think you need Linda Hamilton there. I don't think her presence in it is necessary to have this story. And I don't it, it makes me care a lot less. It it, the funny thing is, is I think we all ended up watching this would go and watch this movie because it's Arnold Schwarzenegger being the Terminator again. And I think that's what we should end up talking about, because although, you know, like an hour and five minutes of the movie happens, if a two hour movie happens before you even see Arnold Schwarzenegger, like I think that I think at least the Schwarzenegger stuff is well drawn and not goofy in the way that he could be in Genesis or that he could be in Terminator 3
0: yeah I think that was the the thing that this movie corrected mostly is it there were so many moments that if this was Terminator Genesis, I found myself going that would have been a stupid line. That would have been a stupid line. like Sarah Connor escapes from that FBI guy. she beat there's like an explosion because the Rev nine attacks the the border control building or whatever, and she manages to subdue both of them. Terminator Genesis she's saying a stupid one liner as she chokes that dude out. Um, but Sarah Connor's never been the sort of person who has a one-liner. She doesn't give a shit. If you can hear her, she's going to choke you out or beat you up with a broomstick or stab you in the neck with a syringe. Um, She knows exactly how many bones are in your arm and (laughs) she doesn't need to announce it. And I, I'm like, Holy shit. That was nice and restrained there. That's nice and restrained there. And I think the same thing is true of Arnold's performance, which is there's maybe only one or two moments that it feels like it lapses into a little bit too jokey. And, one of them is probably his monologue about drapes in a child's bedroom. Oh my God. I
2: thought that was so funny. Yeah. I I have multiple notes about how, no, this is the funniest part of this movie. I stand corrected. This is, and it's all Arnold. It's all Arnold deadpanning as sort of this weird, not quite human. And I loved it. He plays it
0: as drama. Yeah. And that's what makes it really kind of work.
2: I, he plays it as robot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like he's, he
2: he has he has sort of like figured out the formula for humanity but he doesn't he doesn't do like emoting yet yeah um but it's just and here's the thing I don't know that it fits in the movie. You are probably correct, yeah. but just in a movie that was otherwise kind of had me slamming my head against the table from time to time, <laughs> it was a relief.
0: But that's that's what I think. That how I don't think these movies should be humorless. That's the main the main thing. I mean, there's humor in Terminator One and Two, but I think that they they act as a release valve. That you are feeling tension, you're feeling fear, you're feeling like oh my god, adrenaline from the action. And you need these moments that let you just go. And that's how this, because the problem is, is when you have the joking constantly happen, it doesn't just act as a relief valve. It undermines the action and the stakes. Terminator Genesis was constantly joking all over the place. People are constantly quipping. Arnold is constantly acting like our pet robot. And when you space it out, um, something like uh, his drapes monologue in Terminator Genesis would have been played way more broadly. It would have been played like a wah-wah. But the fact that he plays it so straight here and, besi- and because it's after so much seriousness, it lands better. And it's, it's the same thing where, you know, they meet up with Arnold at his, his ranch and he's talking about his relationship to his wife. That Arnold, after killing John Connor... Uh, Wandered around a bit and without purpose with he's from a future that doesn't exist anymore as a learning computer had to make a new purpose for himself and he just decided to protect this family that he has a wife and a step kid and he has a business the light of dialogue I just kind of like where he just talks about you know. I am this, I I change diapers without complaint efficiently, and I am (laughs) extremely funny. And it seems like, the thing I like about that and why it doesn't feel bad is that he's learned how to be human for over 20 years. And of course he's going to be a little bit weird, but he's also still a Terminator. That he hasn't been reprogrammed by the human resistance, he hasn't been hijacked or given new orders, that he's the first terminator that we've seen that is following his own orders that he is becoming something other than a tool of either skynet or the human resistance and i like that he's actively making choices to do things and even talks about having sort of a rudimentary equivalent of a conscience and i like that and there's little bits too where you see him have to emote knowing that he doesn't have the sort of programming to emote, that he can't feel things, but he definitely has a reaction to it. There's a moment where he does send his wife and stepkid away and you see them drive away and it's him seeming to process loss for the first time. It's very subtly done by Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I think it's really well done. The movie doesn't make a huge deal about it and it's over in about a half a second But it's the stuff like that that I think elevates this movie over the other attempted Terminator 3s that we've had.
2: I think that um, the sending the family away took too long, and I think that the wife and kid were maybe a bit too sentimental and adoring for me. That one I got rolling (laughs) my eyes. But the line about the, and I'm extremely funny, and the deadpan, I actually had to pause the movie so I could just finish laughing because that was so well delivered. And I think, speaking of like themes that the movie doesn't fully explore I think this might have gotten closest to like actual interesting concepts because if you consider like Arnold as like sort of this masculine power fantasy unstoppable violent strong and then suddenly we see him in what might be his last film question mark Mm -hmm. um and Suddenly it's... We,
1: we do know that he's going to have an action comedy on Netflix called Fubar.
2: Oh, good. Yeah. So. Oh, excellent. But whether or not it'll
1: be his last time as a leading role in an action movie, I don't know.
2: Yeah. Leading is, I think, a strong word for this one. Yes. But still. Yeah. um, But... All of that aside, he's coming to the end of his career and he's being reconstructed as like sort of a new form of masculinity. Sure. What does masculinity look like now here at the end of his career? Changing a diaper efficiently and without complaint, being a good listener and having an excellent sense of humor. Yeah. And it's just like that's both really funny and really interesting yeah you know and i i sort of wanted more of that like it's
1: almost like if that was the movie it would be better yes (laughs) it's a family drama there's
0: no no, right single bullet gets fired in this movie and it's just this guy learning how to be a nurturer that
1: that, see that to to me there's like um i'm gonna this will be my perpetual example did you uh, you probably seen did you see tron legacy yeah the the tron sequel that they brought out about like oh i don't know that i did so it's, you know, it's this it's legacy sequel. They get Jeff Bridges back. They get Bruce Boxy, old Boxy back. Um they do some de-aging in the face oh, and they yeah, have this I whole it's yeah. this whole story. It's got about the people, the younger people, got to bring somebody new in. And about halfway through the movie, you have this idea where it's like, okay, in part of the story uh, uh what's his name? Flynn? Flynn. Flynn is like living in the computer for a long time. He's like, this is awesome what I've made. And then out of nowhere there's like this spontaneous artificial life that it just has had was born out of the computer and that was part of like the backdrop to some way, like one character that's their their arc and then in the course of just this narration they say and then there was a war and then they all died and you were like okay well you just took for me, what is the most interesting idea about the movie? And you made it like, oh, it's, it's just a two lines of exposition, and we don't need to think about it anymore. And that the, to me the is the, new, the same the, thing. The, the,
0: the emergent AI died on the way back to its right. home planet. Right. This <laughs> <laughs> is <laughs> the same
1: thing as that. The 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 interesting thing about the Arnold's the or the T eight hundred Terminator wandering around like spending ten years literally wandering around, trying to think about what it could become is so much more interesting of a story than what if we just have another carbon copy of a Kyle Reese and a Terminator? You yeah. Know?
0: I mean, you think about it, it, it was always going to be a one way trip, this time travel thing. And what if the Terminator had won at the beginning of the first Terminator movie? What if he shot Sarah Connor? Like he figured out where she was in the phone book faster. Kyle Reese didn't find them. What does he do after that? <laughs> What does he do after he shoots the one thing? He's single-minded. I mean, that's the thing: is that he is he is like a monster who has one goal. He will walk through fire. He will punch through a windshield. He'll pull his own arm off. <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll cut himself in half to crawl through a tunnel to kill Sarah Connor. What happens when he's done? And I mean, he's still this machine that's supposed to learn and adapt. He's still a machine. Learn,
1: learn to be human, specifically. That Learned he has to be to, more human.
0: He has to choose a new mission, and he chose to protect a family. The idea that it's kind of weird because it's sort of the same thing. Maybe it was adapted uh with a bit more screen time, but the IG11 character from the first season of The Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. That a thing that's built for murder gets repurposed into a nurturer, and that. He wants to be the most efficient nurturer that he can be, and part of that involves being a good listener, changing diapers, and uh, being
1: extremely funny. And and the and I guess the real issue is is why I think this is yes one of the strongest things about the movie is, um, as soon as they leave, as soon as they leave his t- ranch in Texas, in is it Laredo, Texas? Yes. Yes. Um, he's just another. He just becomes like another part of the party who can punch people, right? or or yield a weapon and he, he's yeah he's they they give him things to do but there's no, and he gets his sacrifice in the end just like the good Terminator movies do give him let him die in the end but I mean what does he do that Linda Hamilton and Mackenzie Davis can't do yeah he's just another he's a third person a third protector he's just one of a trio so here here's a radical question maybe this is
0: blasphemous for this podcast but would this movie be better would What is the version of this movie that cuts the nostalgia completely out of it and removes Linda Hamilton and Arnold Schwarzenegger from the equation completely? Um, Is that a better movie? So
2: I don't think removing Linda Hamilton is the move. I think you can probably do without Arnold. He did a great job. But for me, one of the thoughts I was having when um, the, the three women are holed up in the hotel room is that this feels almost like sort of the the triple goddess aspect the maid mother crone situation Mm. except not quite like it just it just doesn't quite it's almost like none of the people who were writing it recognized that they had this beautiful archetype to play with and so I think recognizing you almost have this beautiful archetype to play with play with it like, do that. Do that movie. Do the... Um, I was trying to make a list of female-led action movies that worked for me. Mm-hmm. It's uh, not a long list. It's <laughs> It's got Mad Max Fury Road. Sure. It's got Bobby Draper, who isn't a movie. She's a character from The Expanse. Um, right, and right. it's got Everything Everywhere All at Once, which... Mm-hmm. Is more of a kung fu movie than an action movie? I don't know how like you split those genres, right. but it's it's not it's it's not this. And aside from that, it's just really nothing. And so I think that that hasn't been done. That's not a cliche. That is untapped ground, and it could have been good. Uh,
0: it, <laughs> it feels like what we're we're talking about here is Halloween twenty eighteen.
2: I haven't seen that. Maybe it would work for me and I just don't know. But
0: Halloween 2018 is also a legacy sequel that uh, uses just the first movie as the basis of its mythology that is a generational story. Um, There are three women at the core of this movie and they're fighting this evil single-minded silent dude that's following them around trying to kill them.
2: Oh shoot I need to put that on my list.
0: (laughs) And there's a lot about toxic masculinity and the sort of Iffy issues of you know how we have portrayed killers in both fiction, the obsession with true crime, um, but a lot of it is, and we've talked about this a lot on the show, but the the fact that so many of these kind of movies of its type focus on the killer and what the killer's motivations and mythology so much, and not the victim, and it's a very much a pro-victim movie, and I think that is probably a pretty good template for what terminator dark fate could have been because you do have jamie lee curtis and judy greer and i forget her name but she's sort of the, the granddaughter of jamie lee curtis's character in halloween and you still have that that trio of women that have to fight this evil dude who walks around slowly and wants to kill
1: you it's kind of a terminator movie in a weird sort of way oh wow i, I just i i feel like you're on the right track i think um for me the the it was like, you guys remember, you guys know who Florence Pugh is. I take oh, it. Oh, yeah. She's, the, she's in Black oh, Widow. Yeah. Florence Pugh was like the 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 actor that, like, I think I saw her in Lady Macbeth was the first, her first big thing that she did. Um, it was not about, not the actual Lady Macbeth. It was just called Lady Macbeth. Um, a, an actor who is so radiant is who pulls your attention away from everything else and being like, what the fuck? Like, I want to focus on this person. I feel like that's Mackenzie Davis in this movie. And tell me that I'm wrong, Mike. Maybe, maybe I just have a crush. Maybe this is just a, having a dad crush on a, a, on a beautiful, uh beautiful actor. I will say the Gabriel Luna who plays the, Oh my God. Uh, got, they got the two sexiest people in the universe. To play badass like fighters, chasing like hitting each other. So right? much speed walking. There's yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> speed walking. A lot of toned, lot of, like th- like thin toned muscle and and uh, naked naked asses. That lots of, lots of that. But I think she was the first twenty minutes are so seductive of being like, oh god, this is so cool, like like what she's a she's a Kyle Reese but she's got, she's got a time limit right she's got yeah. a time limit that's just that's left. the stuff i like about so cool the, the do mecha- more with that the
0: mechanics of how McGenzie Davis's character work are fascinating to me because they actually make the movie more tense that she is cybernetically enhanced and she can fight a terminator but she has a limited Time span because there's a limits of human biology that you can only do this shit for so long before you crash. And then you have to take this strange cocktail of like insulin yeah. and all kinds of other drugs. And I kind of like that because it gives you a time limit. The Terminator doesn't stop. The Terminator doesn't feel pain, but she does.
2: Well, and I think that, uh, again, lost potential like when I talk about how it doesn't address the theme of transhumanism that's exactly it because no one gives her crap about like you're more like them than you are like us like how much of a robot can you be before you're no longer a human is sort of an interesting but honestly kind of cliche sci-fi question at this but, point but, but, but like a, but I also
1: some, a part of the what Linda Hamilton and James Cameron talked about about her performance in Terminator 2 mm. is that at the end she recognizes that she herself has become a oh, Terminator yeah. so it's a little bit but like, like looking in the mirror yeah. and being like oh my god what what am yeah. i
2: and i mean i think they did such a good job of what does it look like for the machine to become human but they didn't really look that much at what does it look like for the human to become the machine but right. yeah okay they also already did that but then they also do you notice they dropped that plot point because mm-hmm. when they get to the dam and they all sort of crawl out of the humvee and like uh, gabriel luna has been washed downstream to give them all a pause you know uh her weakness is there so that Arnold can show up and open a door and then he's got the (laughs) you left this on the plane and she takes her shot and it's fine so like is that really like is that really a limitation for her anymore you know yeah
0: and I think this is the thing that that bugged me the most about the finale of the movie which is that it the one thing you have to do when you have your one character who is the chosen one, the character who's going to make the future, the person who is ultimately going to be the hero. Everyone is protecting protecting Danny so that Danny can protect everyone later,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and she doesn't get to kill the bad guy alone. And the whole point of having these characters is they get picked off one by one until it's just Danny and the Revnine, but then. Arnold has to come in for that save because Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it's just disappointing because you want to have that moment where, like in the first Terminator, that Sarah Connor, waitress, has this traumatized future soldier protecting you for most of the movie. And there just comes a point where that dude dies. And now it's got to be you. You have to become somebody. To protect the future. You have to, by necessity, become this person. And it kind of feels like they rob her of that moment by having Arnold get a last minute save. And it's a little disappointing. And I just keep thinking maybe the cast is just too big. Yeah. yeah
2: and I honestly think that that would have been like an interesting sort of subversion of the trope is like the collaborative kill like right. if we're gonna have like triple goddess aspect anyway like all of them working together to protect each other and save which they, themselves which they did in
1: Genesis also like yeah. these are uh, things that have been done yeah. for the in the lesser movies. movies yes yeah I, so I, I've I want to take the, before we get way, way in the weeds, I want to take the discussion out a little bit, because there are some things that I legitimately think are really, really good about this movie, and in the same year that Terminator Dark Fate came out, Rambo Last Blood came out, and I don't think you've seen it. I'm guessing you have seen A lot of stuff it. about border politics. Yes. So, I
2: have not, but I listened to a podcast that made fun of it. Oh, <laughs> and it's
1: a, it's a movie that's worthy of being made fun of, so- they stay, these two movies sort of take place around the same nexus, which is Mexico, the north of Mexico and the south of the United States, and border politics and cops and criminals and coyotes are all part of them. But the way you cannot have a more diametrically opposed way for one for one movie to represent these than Last Blood and Dark Fate. In Dark Fate, the main character is from Mexico. It doesn't matter that she is from Mexico. She just ends up being one of the people that will be important in the future. The bad Terminator comes in and takes the likeness of someone who's from Mexico because that's where he lands first. Um, And you have this whole thing of like, oh, well, uh, they... She has family that needs to help her. If there's a coyote, he's not like the evil kind of coyote who's like a fucking human trafficking, mustache twirling villain. He's just a guy who's like, I know people who can get you across and not steal your money on the, you know, not rob you or kill you on the way there. With in contrast with Last Blood, where every single person, with the exception of Rambo's, like, housekeeper, who happens to be Mexican. You've got to have a, quote, good one in the they're movie. All, they're all Ooh. evil. They're, everyone is corrupt. Even, like... The, the the damsel in distress in the movie goes to Mexico and then all of her friends are all evil and corrupted and every single mexican person is uh, is a bad and is a villain and needs to be killed violently with crazy booby traps
0: that's why that's why rambo has a good mexican friend because <laughs> dot 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 i'm not racist oh, but, boy. but in this one like yeah.
1: how can you how can you not see in 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 dark fate um the the Terminator takes the guise of a police officer and a border control agent. Mm-hmm. The and there's point the most in, evil people in the right. world. Right, and there's there's point made. There's like ev- they even get to rescue the people that are being held at the at border patrol in the border in cages. Right, yeah, right. It's like what yeah. what more can how what more can you say is that there's one one side that wants to just demonize an entire people and realize that except for yes you're right quote the good kind there's one or two good kinds the other is like oh well, this whole system is fucked this whole system of authority and oppression is fucked and it kind of comes down to the james cameron's thing that we've talked about before about police in representing police as as antagonists the quote that you i think we read before is cops think all non-cops as less than they are as stupid, weak, and evil, they dehumanize the people that they are sworn to protect, and dehumanize, uh, desensitize themselves in order to do that job. And that's the 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 sort of characteristic of these the antagonist in these stories is it's a unfeeling, violent like a- antagonist who wears a uniform. But this is the thing with cops in the Terminator <laughs> franchise.
0: With the exception of of Lance Henriksen and the guy who played Captain Terrell in yep. the first Terminator, these guys are uniformly useless. They do not listen. They do not help when you run up to them saying, "Help, somebody's trying to kill me." They're, "What you have been drinking?" There's all that kind of and shit. And you've um,
2: even got Robert Patrick as cop. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. The the who is the villain of Terminator 2, an LA police officer.
1: Well, in then, the early '90s, in this in this movie, the first appearance are Mexican police officers who come up to when Grace has just entered, and there are two Mexican teenagers making out, and the first thing they do is like, "Okay, you're under arrest." They don't they don't need any. They're not they're not there to help when they're, they're literally going there. to the cops for help, and yeah.
0: the co- it's, it's the same thing is that they just never fucking listen. Probably the most realistic thing in this movie, <laughs> um, but I think you can take take that image, the image of the Los Angeles police officer as something that the wrong kind of people will just trust and defer to. But the, the, you, you can translate the 2019. It's a fucking border patrol guy. And I think in a lot of ways, the Rev nine should have become a border control guy earlier in the story so that he had a regular uniform and also has a reason to question people about where Danny is going and the wrong kind of people would tell that person information about what they saw. Um, it's one of those things where, what is it that empowers these evil machines in the future? The arsenal that we built. Yeah. The, so they're tracking Danny with a drone. The Rev nine is using the arsenal we built to terrify and harass and oppress other poor people. And using it to kill the people that and it's the same thing. What does Skynet do? It uses all of the bombs that we use to kill each other to kill all of us. Um but I gotta say, when it comes time when the the Rev nine attacks that like that like border compound where all those people are thrown in cages and he's just slicing up border <laughs> cops. Yeah. I've gotta say I'm reminded of the fact that um Ice and the Border Patrol is like a jobs program for white supremacists and I do not feel fucking bad at all. Um, I say, you know what, you can kill these humans as a treat. And I just remind myself this came out about the same year as those immigrants from Haiti were trying to cross that river and a bunch of these assholes on horseback were whipping them. And we found out later, made a commemorative coin that they handed out to other Border Patrol guys Mm. with the image of the dude in the cowboy hat on the horse whipping Haitian immigrants. And you're just like, Mm. that's who this is? Fuck these guys. I hope the Terminator kills all of you. So (laughs) here's the
2: thing where I don't know if you're giving this movie too much credit for this or I'm not giving it enough. Because Mm. to me, it felt a lot like they want credit for saying a thing about immigration, but they're not actually saying a thing about immigration.
0: I'm going to say you're absolutely right. Okay.
2: I think that... uh, if if he had picked up the border patrol uniform earlier they could have had a chance yeah but they didn't do it and so my thought like the thing i wrote down was this immigration reference feels more like plot than commentary mm-hmm. um, yes. and that they set up uh, all of these like border patrol ice folk to be stormtroopers for a literal uh, liberal audience like mm-hmm. you yes I don't feel bad go ahead and kill all these people it's not like this is a hospital where where I would feel horrified if like innocent, like, it's, you know, it's the healthcare infant ward, workers. right? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the, this is a place where it's like, yeah, any anyone who's working here
1: eh. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't like a sick kitten sanctuary.
0: <laughs> These
1: are yes. not good people.
2: Yes. Um but it's
1: Well they well, I, they do I would say yes. They they don't they don't go far enough. They don't give enough credit. I will say for what I was basically saying is either the either the police are representative people who are actively hostile want to neutralize you if they don't do that then they are basically wanting to ignore you and when they have the female border patrol agent whose danny is trying to convince she's like i know you're you're not gonna not gonna believe me but there's someone that's gonna there's something at chasing after me that's gonna come here and the woman they have like a black woman who is playing this border patrol agent and she's doing the routine of yeah sure whatever like just you're going to You have to talk to somebody else. You're going to have to make a phone call, talk to somebody else, whatever. You're, you're going to stay here for a while. The idea of them representing it as a, a bureaucratic arm of neglect is also saying something. They specifically had a scene where um, to deal with the – that was the the scene that mirrors kind of um, Silverman, right? Sil- mm-hmm. Silverman in the, the two Terminator movies, which it's like – the uh, the establishment. If you try to approach the establishment with such a crazy idea of there's a robot from the future trying to kill me, how are that how are you likely to respond? In Terminator 2, it's psychiatric, right? It's it's the it's the uh, the element of control over people that is a system that says, okay, well these people, um, because they have crazy ideas, they need to be confined, you know. And it's this, I guess you'd say, it's a similar thing. You could draw the inference of. For the the in the 21st century border patrol thing is these people get to be confined not because they did anything wrong but because we have these systems with of authority that say we need to marginalize you dehumanize you and kick you out yeah yeah our, our- but, so it's it's something it gets credit for something i don't think that it's we'll spend 10 million dollars on a drone but we're never giving you
0: health care <laughs> it's that's all that bullshit it's like the the you go to these people that exist on paper to protect you but all they do is delay you and perform an obstacle and make it harder for you to get away from a killer robot
2: i think it's interesting though that there's a juxtaposition between the way that like police border control ice when you get to the military though Like, they drive full speed onto a military base and are handed the keys to an airplane. (laughs)
1: Yes. Yes, they are.
0: Because Sarah Connor
1: knows somebody that is never explained. Who's who's willing to commit treason for her. Yeah. Was
2: that guy from... Is he a reference
1: I don't think so. Okay, no. I don't this, think so.
2: This is the point in the movie where like most of my notes is, is that a reference to something? Sorry about your shed. Is that a reference? <laughs> like I just, I kept, I kept uh, expecting everything to be a callback, but.
0: That makes sense though, because a lot of times when you get a callback, something just drops into your movie with no explanation because they expect you to know. Yeah. And it's like, oh no, that's not a reference. That's just bad writing. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, they just didn't explain it because they didn't have an explanation. Yeah. Yeah, I just so I guess let's get into the final two questions of this conversation. Okay. Sure, is Terminator Dark Fate a good movie?
1: Almost. I, uh, so I, I had something prepared. Okay. It's, 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 so is that if you just take away the other two Terminator movies, which you can't really do for this, no. right? You can't really do for this. It's the, I'd say that the that the action in this movie the 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 characters that are not the legacy characters are interesting but it's saddled with the legacy sequel problem right all the exposition and plot uh, contortion needed to plug in the older characters whose destinies have basically already been settled for previous movies in a story that doesn't need them i am okay with like the of uh, the absurd over the top stuff but like i said i get like i got like serious like pod, pod race fatigue by the end of these sort of action sequences where i think other Terminator movies had that good start stop that like you keep going and then you got to rest. You keep going and then you got to rest. It's just overstuffed and it's sort of half baked. Um And I just wanted a Mackenzie Davis super augmented super soldier movie at the end of this and didn't want to have a retread of, of Terminator. So I've got to say, no, I, I just don't think it's that good.
2: I'm willing to forgive a lot on the action sequences, to be honest. Like, there is a certain amount of, like, yeah, I don't think that that big construction vehicle is going to keep up with this pickup truck. But it's, like, also, like, I think, oh, what was this man's name um, playing the Terminator? Gabriel Luna. Just Oh, so good. Yeah, I mean, sure, man, you are powerful enough to drive this huge construction vehicle that fast. I I will let that one go. I was willing to let a lot slide with the action things. For me, it was the writing of the characters. Mm. And I think that, you know, if I got my wish, if we got someone who understands the way women are going to relate to each other with not just like sort of the physical violent protection, but like also emotional care, and support, that they're not posturing and hostile with each other, but, like, there's this, like, deep care and sort of automatic concern, I'd have been all for it. And then when it comes down to Mackenzie Davis, like, so there's this bisexual dilemma of looking at a powerful woman (laughs) and saying... Am I jealous or am I attracted? And honestly, the sledgehammer fight at the beginning (laughs) and the chain fight at the end were both very ridiculous pieces, and I desperately need both of them to be in this film.
1: (laughs) So... I'm saying this: the the two are like the sexiest people you could it's possibly a, put in a unreasonable. movie. Unreasonable. It's they're so, so yeah. Gorgeous. No complaints
2: there. It was really just if the three women at the center of this movie related to each other differently. I honestly could have been very satisfied with this.
0: I I'm liking more the version of this movie that you're kind of creating, <laughs> and the more I do that a lot. <laughs> I really think that the more I think about this movie, the more I resent the stuff that was probably on a checklist of necessities put there by producers we got to do this we got to have a scene where Arnold makes a reference to sunglasses or something I'm glad that he didn't pick them up I just right but I think the stuff that I do like in this movie I like how restrained it is compared to the last couple Terminator movies that were a lot jokier that forgot again that this is a sci-fi horror franchise that humor in the Terminator franchise at least is there to give you a breather and to sort of flush out all that adrenaline so that you can have the tension build again because this is a franchise where Sarah Connor gets burned while holding onto a fence in a dream. and (laughs) You just can't quip when you're having an adventure where you have dreams like that. And I think um, the people who really sell it in this movie, Gabriel Luna is great He's probably the best infiltration unit this series has ever had it's because so good. Arnold, not
1: unobtrusive. <laughs> um, but I think he's he does a great L-Legion job. Legion figured out how to make uh, human infiltration units that don't stand out like sore thumbs. Yeah, yeah, he definitely
2: gives off psychopath vibes, right. but not really robot vibes. Right?
1: Yeah,
0: um, he's great. I think Linda Hamilton really sells it here, and mm-hmm. it really just leaves me wondering where the hell... Has
1: she been for the last
0: twenty something years? Right? Because she should have been in a bunch of movies. So much. This
1: is the only movie that she's had first bill on. So it's Linda Hamilton, then Arnold Schwarzenegger. Can you believe that? That's just, there's a, some something tragic about that. After she she her she is the emotional core. Of T2. And when this movie opens with the scene of her on the videotape. Oh, yeah. Describing, you know, you're, you're going to need fucking a million sunblock. Get it? You're going to be dead. Which is devastating. A devastating so performance. So fucking good. You think, like, why is this the first time that she's ever been a lead yeah. in a movie? It's so stupid. She should have been so, in, like, so ten robbed. movies between Now and Terminator oh, yeah. 2. So, right. and only
0: one I can think of she's in is Dante's Peak. And <laughs> that's the only one. And I it, did not realize she was in it. Her uh-huh. and... Um, and uh, Pierce Brosnan. Yes. So, yeah, I just, I look at this. Oh, again. dear. <laughs> uh, Mackenzie Davis, amazing in this movie. And I just keep thinking the way to fix this movie isn't exactly in the way that you're talking about, is that you need to approach this with a scalpel and say, what is the stuff that's unnecessary? What is the stuff that's taking up space that could allow these other elements to breathe? Um, and I I really think that's that crowdedness. It's that crowdedness that keeps getting in the way of it. It's better than it. It's better better than it has any right to be, given the pressures put on it in this modern era of corporate-driven IP blockbusters. But there's a reason why it's not getting a sequel. And I I think it's time to just let this series die. I think we're probably never going to get Linda Hamilton and Arnold Schwarzenegger back for another one of these. And... Yeah, I'll, and and I'll...
1: what would a Terminator movie be without if you didn't have Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know? It would be some other guy who's playing an Arnold Schwarzenegger-like character.
0: Yeah, that's that wouldn't be even be allowed to be their version of Terminator. They'd be basically doing all the lines. It would be like the remake of Total Recall, which yeah. is nobody remembers. <laughs> it.
2: I don't even think this is a necessarily like shameful ending to the franchise either. It's, no. It's, no. It's okay. It's... They, they did fine. Um, <laughs> it's better than
0: Genesis is. Yeah.
2: I wanted to, when you're talking about things you like about this movie, because I realize I've been sitting here talking about like all the ways to fix it. There are, um, in addition to the various actors doing their jobs very, very well, one thing that I appreciate the hell out of this movie for, there's almost no, no, I'm going to remove that almost. There's no cheesecake shots. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. there is a part where Mackenzie Davis is walking upstairs and she's putting a gun into her waistband in her back. And so the the camera is sort of close up. And in a nineties film it would have been like Six inches lower, and she <laughs> yes, would have been wearing some really right visible thongs. But right. it's it's yeah. not about her butt. It's about the gun. She's armed. It's about mm-hmm. the gun, and it's like even when she falls out of the bridge naked, it's not it's brutal. Sexy. No, no. It's you know, and so um uh one of the one of the films that made my list of like female led action movies that work for me is the first third of the first wonder woman movie <laughs> yeah,
1: um yes i can see that
2: yeah but and then after that it gets really tiring and one of my things <laughs> is i need my female protagonist to fight something other than sexism mm. and that this one gave me that mm. it gave me that and it was like and so as much as like i have critiques all of my critiques are because it's like I I a little bit love this film yeah. for that.
1: I, yeah, I have to. Bef- I, I wrote this down, and I before we we close it off. The one thing that I thought was actually really amazing that you don't realize is kind of an integral part of any Terminator movie, which is good makeup effects. And I think that the Mackenzie Davis makeup effects, all those weird like. Scars, scars that she has, and then the, like when her skin gets damaged, you can see like this weird, like, With wire net, mesh, like netting underneath it because mm-hmm. she yeah. doesn't have real skin. That she kind of reminded me a little bit of like Major Kusanagi from Ghost in the Shell of being this woman who's like partly human and partly robotic. And there are all these, you know, these things on her skin that are making, they're sort of signaling like this, you're not quite human. That all that makeup stuff was fucking awesome, was so amazing. You even though like the littlest details to she's got like a bruise on her face. But instead of the bruise just being like a splotchy purple glob, it's the, that little hex pattern. Yeah. You know, like they, there's so many details about making about the making where the makeup, I think mean the Arnold makeup was fine, I guess. It, just, <laughs> it has to be that way. Um, we've done the Arnold makeup right. so many times they have it down. Right. But I th- that was a thing where I, a couple times I was like, fuck, that looks cool. That looks really yeah. good. They have really talented people doing that.
0: So I guess that leads us to our, our last question. Is this... Terminator Dark Fate,
1: is it a good Arnold movie? Hell yeah. <laughs> and this is why. Because it finally, it finally did give me the Arnold in a Terminator sequel after two where I got every, everything I wanted. Even if it was only I got ten minutes of the Arnold that I wanted and maybe like a little bit at the end. I got everything that I wanted from an, from an Arnold an Arnold movie. It's just as unfortunate that it ha- happens to be in a movie where he's not really in it <laughs> all that much. Yeah. But the part that is Arnold I think is funny and I like it a lot. Um it's it I guess if you I guess maybe you could just show do YouTube clips I suppose instead of having to watch the whole movie. Although I think there's a lot to a lot a lot to this movie to work for, but the Arnold that we get is kind of classic Arnold. So, yeah, I'd say yes.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, It almost reject the premise of the question here. I don't know that it's an Arnold movie. Like, it, it the, the part of it, like you said, the part of it that is an Arnold movie is a very good Arnold movie because I think it addresses who he is even though he's become something else at the end of his career now. And I think that that's like a very like brave investigation of who he is not just as a character but as a person but also it feels like 10 minutes long yeah um i think if i was going to if i was going to put something to it it feels like arnold has sort of turned into like a dad yeah like, oh,
1: for sure that's for that's sure. what he
2: felt like at the end like he's gonna you you, you dropped your stuffy toy on the plane <laughs> like remember to take your medicine like you know he's gonna gonna talk about drapes like and and so just he's he's much softer and more compassionate and more nurturing and I am here for all of that but also he's barely in it so the parts of it that were an Arnold movie were a very good Arnold movie
0: I'm I'm with you on that I said that I say this isn't a good Arnold movie because it's not an Arnold movie. Not because Arnold's not good in it, and I really do think this is his best Terminator performance since 1991. Um, we actually
1: had debate as to whether or not we wanted to include this movie in. It was borderline. The canon. It was really borderline. Because Honestly, of I time.
0: I pushed back against doing this movie, one because I was fatigued, but also <laughs> because I just. I just wanted to be done. You know, it's like, you know, that scene at the end of Rocky where he has the big dramatic moment where he gets up even when when Mickey's telling him to stay down, stay down. And you can see Apollo Creed with his arms up because he's like, he thinks he won. And he turns around and sees Rocky getting back up and his arms fall. That's how I felt. I felt like Apollo Creed. I'm like, no.
1: No, I thought this fight was done, and now i got to fight some more. Um, is it just that you didn't want another disappointing Terminator movie, or that you actually just don't want any more Arnold movies to do on for the series? I just don't want any more Terminator,
0: period. Okay. okay. I, I Fair like enough. Arnold a lot,
1: but I know that this is a series that is
0: all about the diminishing returns, and I think... This movie, while better than Genesis, while it's better than Salvation, while it's better than Terminator 3, that is such faint praise. Low bar. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I can't act like that's anything. The best Terminator movie since terminator 2 doesn't it isn't quite the victory lap that you think it is right because Um, it
1: hasn't almost every single one of those movies been said the same thing about it as it's the best sense (laughs) yeah it's the
2: best since crawling up out of the basement (laughs) yeah it's
0: it's just it's not good so i guess with that Carol Brulette, I want to thank you for joining us on this episode. thank you
2: very much for inviting me.
0: So, if if folks want to find out about hands-free football, which is all still on the internet,
2: it's still on the internet. There's a handsfreefootball.com. If you want soccer takes from 20, when did we start that? 2016 through the end of 2019, they are available <laughs> nice. on the internet.
0: <laughs> it's a look back on a world where you didn't have to wear a mask at the supermarket. It is. It's.
2: <laughs> Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts from the past, and it's always you don't know what's coming for you. And I've actually thought about listen- you are Sarah Connor. Yeah, <laughs> you're
0: powerless. <laughs> These people won't believe you.
2: Oh golly, no! I've I've actually thought about going back to listen to my own archives just to sort of see like what was my life like in the before times. So um, yeah, I guess that's a possibility. Um, otherwise, there is basically nowhere else to find me except in my office doing homework. So sweet good luck
1: <laughs> it's work worth doing then yeah. work so, worth doing
0: so thank you so much for joining us carol and a big special thank you to our episode sponsors uh please thank you to larry brunswick margaret king tim batson dan neidecker zuri russell Steelwolf, wolf sterling taylor tom the belgian Wim the belgian misa the barbarian jem newman Carol and Dave Brulette. Hello. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Uh Calzone, Matt Weber, Kalen, and Jeff Nathan. Thank you. If you folks want to become an episode sponsor, please go to patreon.com slash radio versus the Martians or click the big red button on podcastlevistababy.com. Otherwise, we will catch you
1: next month. Podcast de La Vista Baby is a production of Radio Versus the Martians and is hosted by Mike Gillis and Casey Doran. This podcast is recorded in beautiful Valverde in Seattle, Washington. Our chief engineer is Casey Doran, and our editor is Mike Gillis. Our original theme music was written and performed by James Wetzel, with opening narration by Dan Lombardo. Special thanks to Sam Mulvey, Rob Kelly, James Wetzel, Paul Rue, Tobias Panshin, Scott Kramer, Kyle Hepworth, and Dan Lombardo. Please take the time to rate and review our show on iTunes and Stitcher and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please consider becoming one of our Patreon subscribers. Even just a dollar a month gives you access to exclusive episodes. And finally, you can find us online at podcastelavistababy dot com and Martians dot com So you're Carl.
0: That's what everyone calls me, yes. I'm never gonna fucking call you Carl.
1: They don't know.
0: No. She hasn't noticed that you weigh 400 pounds? That you never sleep?
1: Our relationship is not physical. She appreciated that they could change diapers efficiently and without any complaints. I am reliable, I'm a very good listener, And I'm extremely funny.